You are listening to Family First Paranormal Radio. Today, the team will be broadcasting from the historical Granada Theater in Ontario, California. If you would like to get a hold of us, you can do so by visiting our website at www.familyfirstparanormal.com. If you would like to email us, you can do so at familyfirstparanormal at gmail.com. Without any further delays, let's join the team in the investigation already in progress at the historical Granada Theater in Ontario, California. Welcome to the Paranormal Podcast here with Family First Paranormal. And uh, just go around and we'll introduce ourselves. My name's Carl. I'm uh, Larry Vanderpool. And I'm Paula. And we have Sue here with us. And uh, can you tell us your relationship to Larry and Paula? I'm their sister. Cool. And it's very late here. It's 20 to 2 in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, we're at the Granada Theater. And... um, We've had some interesting things happen, um, but we'll get into that later. Let's see. We had some questions. I posted on Twitter that we're going to do this, and we had some questions come in, and we're just going to go off and do these questions. The first one is, uh, we'll we'll do this for Larry. Um, Can you tell us about how the team got started? Uh, Actually, it was... uh Carl and I were uh, discussing, we had a common interest in, uh, in kind of the paranormal and the, and the things that go on, and it's what we did was invest uh, in, in some uh, preliminary equipment, and that was kind of what drove us to the first thing. We were testing, uh, testing at our house. We had just moved out of a house in Wildemar, and we began testing equipment. That's when we actually started getting our first uh, insight into the paranormal and the technology and that type of interaction. Uh, and then from there, we uh, contacted my sister Paula, who's always been had kind of an intuitive uh, spirit, and we kind of brought her in, and uh, we were able to uh, do some incredible stuff, I think, at the Wildemar house, as far as document from with a technology standpoint, and then also Paula coming in with an intuitive uh, thing and being able to cross-reference and uh, kind of balance each other, uh, you know, giving a little added evidence to, to what's going on. And then even at the end of that was the release of the, the young girl. So that was kind of how it all got started. And from there we uh, uh, started the web page and got some contacts, and Carl's been really involved in, in doing that and networking us. So that's kind of where we are today. Cool. Paula, can you tell us about your abilities and how exactly do you see the other side? Hmm. Well, sometimes I get a feeling when somebody's present. Sometimes I see and then I hear too as well. Um, I'm trying to think how you explain the, the gifts that it's kind of hard to explain. I'm, do you see them as people as you and me or do you no, see them that's kind of like a feeling I can feel when somebody's around and then when you kind of work with them a little bit to see what's going on then you get a, a better feel for like female male adult child um, 
So then, because then when I can hear them or start communicating, I start getting a clearer picture as we go along. So it's not actually seeing with your physical eyes, like if you were to look with your own eyes. Sometimes out of the corner of your eye, you can catch a flash of something and maybe kind of tune into that a little. But um, that's kind of how it works for me. So can you see if a little girl is wearing a dress, if she's wearing like pants, or if she has long hair, blonde hair, brown hair? Yeah, if they want me to see that image that they want to project of what's going on and what's happening, like is it Amy, when we first came in contact with her at the Wildemar house, had been burned. And so she was kind of showing that to me. And then as soon as um, I was talking to her about that, no, you're very, you're very beautiful, you're a very pretty, you know, a spirit. And, and then it, it, it fell away from her, so I could kind of see her a little bit as a child, but it, then it turns more into... Um, a feeling of what's happening with her, kind of like her letting me know some feelings that she had and things that had happened. So so does that maybe tie into sometimes when you're in a place like this and even normal time things like crawling, we'll get all at once like a feel of apprehension or something, or something that doesn't feel normal with what you're doing, but all at once your heart will be a little faster, maybe you get an emotion of anger or... Something, I mean, is that something that might be past and we just don't recognize it? Yeah, I think the more that everyone pays it, everybody's probably had a similar feeling like that. And the more you pay attention to them, I think the more it happens and then the clearer it gets as you go with it. Because you can get that feeling of, well, just like a few minutes ago, Carl and I were up in the balcony and we were helping somebody cross over. And then I turned and looked and clearly saw somebody in the corner seat, you know, I mean, kind of an outline of a presence was there, and we went up there, so that I, I saw and kept looking back and seeing. So sometimes I can see, like, the image that they want, like, with a time period or something like that, and, but we went to check that. We could feel the difference in the air and things like that. I mean, I love the technical stuff because it kind of verifies things for me as well, because you tend to question yourself once in a while, but... Let's see, Sue, did you always know that Paula had these gifts? Pretty much, since we were young girls, I did. And even when we were um, teenagers, it, there was so much going through adolescence. There were other things happening, and so um, she didn't talk too much about things. And then um, she talked a bit about it when she was newly married, but then was concerned how she'd be perceived by her husband and definitely her husband's family, things like that. Um, so she kind of just shut it down at that point. And after a while, I just quit asking. Let's see, some questions, some more questions. We uh, kind of talked about the your Larry, your house in Wildemar. Um, one of the questions were, was asked, uh, can you tell us about what was found and the photo of Sam? Um, how did you feel about that? Uh, actually, while it was happening, we were kind of filming, and we were more or less looking kind of at orbs and that stuff through the cameras and everything. It wasn't until after we started to uh, review the data that we actually saw the picture of my uh, stepdad in the, uh, in the mirror. I mean, it was uh, an exact image of him, and uh, kind of recognized him right away. Of course, he'd been passed for a good 20 years or so, 
but uh, and that was kind of one of the other things that escalated us kind of involving Paula because we didn't want to go to the normal thing and, and go and take a picture and look at all this evidence, but then everything's as it is and we really don't understand what's going on or how we can help or, or what's going on. So that's kind of became one of the core things of the Family First Paranormal is not just to investigate and look at it, but if we have the potential of helping somebody maybe cross over or deal with uh, an issue that's holding them on, that's been kind of one of our uh, foundations. Is if we can do that, we're going to do that. We're going to help uh, help people move over. But there was uh, quite a bit of activity at the house, and I think quite a, if you guys go to the website, you can probably see the video that speaks more for itself than uh, I can tell you, but there were a lot of stills and, and a lot of video, I think, of uh, us asking questions and leveraging the technology. Uh, I think it was a pretty good uh, pretty good investigation. Yeah, I mean, I could speak for myself. The, we didn't have a lot of the equipment that we do now. I mean, we were just starting, and we have video of orbs actually following us and moving and moving around us, where it's not just dust. You can tell dust falls from like the ceiling to the ground and we've actually had things flying at us and they move when they come around us and stuff like that was really cool. I remember one night right when we walked in there we opened the garage and we're just kinda walking around the house getting a feel for it and I see a shadow figure move in like next to the fireplace and it just vanishes and to me that kinda clenched everything and especially going home, and I think it was that night where we got EVPs of the little girl in there, Amy, um, actually speaking to my son, Philip. And uh, that was just something that was the coolest thing ever. And I do remember that one night clearly where we went in there just to kind of wrap it up, and the ghost meter just starts going off, and we started contacting Sam. But I think let them know also too the identification with Philip and <coughs> is Carl and uh, and uh, his wife and children had stayed with us for a little bit and we think that Amy yeah. was active and maybe uh, communicating with Philip back and forth at that point because when they noticed Carl in there that was what the EVP was is you know kind of where's Philip what's going on with Philip and right uh, I think it said like Philip don't cry or you don't need to cry or something yeah. like that so. and we've caught. Amy's voice three or four times and in that house and it was just such a cool thing knowing that someone was playing with my son that had fun with my son and it was just a really cool feeling and um, one of the questions is Paula can you tell us a little bit about Amy and describe her to us and who she was what happened to her and how we actually helped her yeah when we first um made contact when I first saw her and came into the house. Remember, you came right behind me and got pictures. And um, I think the hardest part for me with Amy was when we went out into the field. She, she actually had been abducted from another, kidnapped from another state. She crossed state line, and she had been very brutally attacked and murdered. And um, when we went out to the field where it actually had happened, I think it was very emotional for me because of course, I love children, and it was a, just a horrible thing, and it was difficult for her um, getting that point across. And the sad thing was, it started out because 
she thought she'd done something wrong because it was somebody she knew and um, I think her brother was crying or something and then suddenly this person's taking her away or somewhere so I think she thought she was punished so we had to let her know what happened and I think um, for me it was a really good experience because she came from showing herself as a burned up person that was being punished and understanding finally that you know she wasn't and then I believe I was asking her when we were crossing her over if she saw her mother but she said it was her aunt so I'm not sure if her aunt raised her yeah we we got that EVP where you said can you say auntie as loud as you can and we got auntie yeah because she was when I would say you can see your mom or take your mom's hand and she she wasn't she I think she told us it was her aunt then and then she did say it out loud for us and and she stopped at one point to get something and I and I think she was showing me it was a doll and some, some jacks, jacks or yeah. something so she ran to grab those um, and I still strongly feel there was something in that field and uh, they've rebuilt and things on it now so I don't know that anything would be found but she did tell me her name was Amy and we watched her go from that and I believe Sam was there helping her because he has a daughter that was blonde, blue-eyed and then he was trying to help her but she was frightened of male figures, deep voices and we all worked together and she crossed over and it was a, a really good feeling because I think we could all feel it in the room as she crossed because everything stopped immediately but it was just a really good feeling to help her be at peace and even though it seems like that here that she's a child while she's here once she crosses over it's everything's okay it's not like children are there wandering around lost it was just a a crossover that needed to be done or a connection to make complete I guess you could say too. And we also did try to go back and do a little investigation to see if we could locate but I mean not knowing the state right. and not knowing the exact year or anything it became very difficult to, to uh, you know try to verify but we did make the attempts to go back and see you know there was any name Amy within that you know a 10 or 15 year period type of thing but without knowing the specific state and stuff it was Mm -hmm. uh, we couldn't really uh, validate everything. Right, and I know my wife, Jamie, if she can't find, if she puts her heart and soul into trying to find something, and I ask her to find anything on the internet, and she can do it in less than five minutes, and if she can't find anything, then nothing's out there. Yeah. Um, let's see, let's move from that house, um, and let's go to uh, the Whaley House in San Diego. Um, we had a question asked, uh, let's talk about the photo of Mrs. Whaley. And uh, I'll start off with that. That, we were going around and we just set up, I was going around taking pictures and we get to Mrs. Whaley's room and we take a photo and it shows that there's someone behind the bed. And it's almost like a mist-like figure, but there's shape and form to the figure. There's a couple other figures like crouching down behind it, like they're told to be there or like that's just where they hide when something's in the house that they don't understand what's going on or that's their safe spot. And um, 
we added a whole bunch of different filters into it in Photoshop and it just it shows up as a person in like that time period when Mrs. Whaley was alive. It could be her, it could be Anne, maybe the daughter it was, but it was just, it blew my mind because we didn't see that at the time and even looking at the photo on the camera, we, we didn't see that. I mean, what's your guys' take on it? But isn't that fairly common that, that, I mean, you might have some experience when you're doing it, but it really comes back when you start to do the, uh, look at the materials and the investigation and the EVPs and all that. I mean, yeah. that's really when you kind of get a sense of what went on. But yeah, I thought that picture was incredible because it almost looks like there's a man kind of standing up, the the woman's kind of on her knees, and it almost looks like a cat right. or something uh, behind them. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I thought that was one of the better better proofs. Right. Um, and I think it kind of proves who's in charge too. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, um, the video of Mr. Whaley. Uh, choking you. Can you tell us about that? Because I know from my standpoint, I went up there with like meters, cameras, trying to find it, trying to see what was going on. Nothing. I think even at one point I got a little mad and I said, well, stop choking my aunt and start choking me. <laughs> and uh, for me, that was just, you know, we, we heard that they don't choke women there. We've heard that it's not Mr. Whaley. What's your take? What were you going through at that time? Well, I knew it was somebody that was definitely in charge, and I think that he works through fear. So when I wasn't afraid, I think it was a little bit more like angry or something, and and I just kept trying to say, you know, if you need help, let me know. If you don't, um, let me know what's wrong. And, and then I kept feeling that, and I actually even got like a little bit of a, kick or a boot or something in my back and I think we even got that on video yeah but um, I you know I wasn't afraid and I think they realized that but yeah it was somebody in charge enough that they wanted me to know that this isn't going to happen because I actually been contacted by a young person that wanted help in crossing over so that's one of the reasons we were in there trying to work with it and he, I think he just basically wanted to let me know he's in charge, not us or whatever. But um, that was kind of a different experience. I have not had that before. Didn't you say at one point that it almost felt like there was a block at one point during that thing where it was like, you know, you were accessible and then all at once somehow they got cradled where that connection or something was, and you couldn't... Like their vibrations the were too or low something. or something. Right, and because they wanted no part in that kind of a release or something. Because I think they liked where they were or whatever. And so sometimes you can't make that connection because some people aren't ready or they don't realize or they are so caught up and busy in what they're doing. But that was one of the first times that we'd actually seen physical evidence in other words you had been talking about being choked but then I think you've got the pictures and then I oh, yeah. you put them on the website yeah. or something but yeah, I think you could actually see physical And we actually didn't indication. even know that till we were on our way home and I kept saying wow it's very strange because it still burns and then Carl kind of looked at us at the light and thought oh my gosh there's a mark yeah, and they say women the car, right. don't get choked but we heard before some women got kind of 
Bernie feelings on their necks or right. whatever. So we've heard that before, but the only thing is they would say it was this other person. And we got very clear EVPs right. that it's Mr. Whaley. Yeah, because was, I mean, it was allowed to get out. Yeah, it was get out. And it, it sounded like Mr. Whaley was arguing with his daughter. And it was get out, and the daughter saying no, and mm -hmm. the daughter wanting help because she's sick of being in that house. And, and then we even heard her saying stop when he right. was choking me. It's really clear that she's saying stop. Um, let's see. Uh, we have video of Mr. Whaley in the upstairs bedroom. Um, there is reports of a man opening and closing the blinds. We caught an apparition. Can I tell you it's a man? Can I tell you it's a woman? No. But you can clearly see that there's a figure and it's by a window. We only catch it for a second. And thank God I didn't blink during that time when I was looking at the evidence. But yeah, we did catch that. And um, let's see, they wanted to know final thoughts on the house. Probably, did we, will we go back? What did we think? Was it positive? What's our final thoughts? On the Whaley House? Yeah, on the Whaley House. Uh, yeah, I'd like to do it again, uh, mm -hmm. I think, in a, you know, maybe a year or so to, to come back and fresh. I think we know more now in where we'd probably want to set up the cameras to catch a little bit of difference. Right. But I think one of the things that we discussed before is sometimes when they're doing the tours and that stuff, it has, tends to have an effect on it too, where it brings the energy out and there seems to be more interaction. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think we learned from the first investigation, I think the second investigation will probably always be improved. So yeah, I personally would like to go mm -hmm. again. Paula? Yeah. Yeah, I would like to go back again, too, because I still think there's something there that needs to be cleared up and helped out with and straightened out, I guess, you could say. All right, yeah. Um, let's move on to the William Heat Davis house, just a quick drive down the street from the Whaley house. Uh, and I guess the first question is actually for me, and it's about the rocking chair video. Um, when we first got in that house, that night, um, we walked the whole house. Out of the corner of my eye in the upstairs bedroom, I saw movement. I go in there without cameras, and I see a rocking chair rock, and I talk to Paula, you know, hey, do you see this too? And she said, yeah, no, 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 it's definitely rocking. And what's funny is when we caught this on camera, it's a completely different rocking chair. And I did try to debunk it. I jumped. I moved. I rocked it myself to see how hard you had to push it. And it's beyond me how it moved other than it's called paranormal. That's why we do this, to catch that stuff. And um, I guess I should ask Larry about the DVR cameras and uh, why someone asked me why the cameras weren't placed like one on that chair, and one was on that chair. It just didn't work that night. Uh, basically, I'd love to tell you I know why, but I don't <laughs> know why. Uh, we had eight cameras set up, and we had uh, three of them record. I mean, everything was in place. Everything was set up to record. We've never had issues before. We've never had issues since. But actually, five of the eight cameras not an ounce of anything was recorded against it on the, on, on the DVR. Mm. We did hear some clicking activity, I think, on one of the cameras yeah. there in, in the room. 
but the same thing with the IR lights were were lit. I mean, everything yeah. looked functional, uh, and we had no indication, of course, until we get home and start loading <laughs> up the uh, DVR, and there's nothing there for for five of the cameras. So I have uh, no excuse. I just it, <clears throat> a glitch, something, or somebody didn't want us to see five cameras. I don't know. Right. Yeah, because in one of the rooms we had somebody turning them on and off because we clearly saw that, and I think we took a picture or something. Or yeah, actually, they were clicking the camera. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the manual right. camera off and flashing, if you remember, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, that the camera in question was placed, if you ever do go to the William Heat Davis house, um, the camera was placed in, like, their medical room where they have a couple beds in there, and... Um, they had the children and yeah, the sick children, because they were small beds. The cameras that we have are IR cameras, and if the lights are on, they record full color, everything just fine. When the lights are off, they record in night vision. But we even had the, uh, you know, the one that wasn't tied to the DVR, it was kind of a standalone manual oh, yeah. camera that we had on a tripod recording, and we were, when we were in talking to the kids, yeah. the tripod pushed over. Yes. And then we had the little manual camera with the flash and we had sat in the middle of the room and it started flashing off like somebody pushed the button. So yeah, uh, I think there was at least some camera interactions there that uh, we've yeah. never seen before. They just didn't want us there, but there's definitely stuff there. It's an interesting investigation. We recommend it to other people as well. Yeah, the only problems with that house is that the walls are so thin that you get sound bleeding from the outside. You hear every movement outside, you hear everybody talking from outside, so if you're going to catch EVPs, it's going to be of outside area. I think ours was right around the Halloween in the entire city. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we had more noise than usual. Um, let's see, uh, Larry, do you want to talk about your experience in the attic? <laughs> I can remember. Yeah, no, I think that was, that was a, the very first time I think I've ever had any kind of physical interaction. I mean, I, I've seen the evidence, we've seen meters go off, but I've never physically kind of felt anything. And it's almost hard to explain, but we were up sitting in the attic, and I think we were... Uh, Carl and I were discussing something, and it was just like all the energy in you was just sucked out. I mean, even trying to form a thought became a very, very focused ordeal. I mean, I actually had to leave. It was, it was that bad. And even going up the stairs into the attic, it was almost like a, a vertigo, you know, sense of, of, you know, where's my balance? How am I doing this type of thing? So, and, you know, it, I was fine the next day. I mean, not a problem or anything, but that was really the first time that a uh, and that whole area, we would feel that vertigo every time we went kind of to that area. Right, that, I, that wasn't just me there, but that was the first time that I had right. uh, and felt it. I was sitting right next to you, and we were asking intelligent questions, too, because the guy that is up there is, what was he, a German soldier or something that uh, came? Yeah. It was a spy. Spy, yeah, yeah, and his name was Carl something or other. And uh, we were asking intelligent questions like, did you kill anybody? What year is it? Who's the president? Did you? Was your mission successful? And then I look at Larry, and he's just like, "Uh, it's a feeling like you left the the stove on, but you didn't." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm you going, know, on, you, you "What?" Know you, should, <laughs> you know you should 
doing something or something that you needed to do, but you just don't know what it was. Uh-huh. It was that kind of sense of <laughs> it was the control. Yeah, because I think the farther from the situation they get, the memory yeah, yeah. Dis- the disorienting or something. But then when he had clear points to make, he was a very strong presence. So I think when he had, yeah. and he actually went up where he was. Oh, Paula, what was your feelings about that house? Um, I've, there was a lot of activity in that house, and I think um, I'd like to find out more about it. I mean, we, we were given things or facts, or I was told things that were really interesting with him because he evidently, I mean, I saw things of what he was doing or how he was getting code out or something, but there was also with the children, there were children there that somebody was watching over. Oh, yeah. And they, it was very active in that area because we actually put the little tea set out, the little silverware, and I lined it up with the line on the floor, the hardwood floor, and all that stuff had had been moved you know, around. So I think that they're pretty obvious with their activity because so, it, it's like kids, so they're playing. So right. That was kind of Let's see. Um, Granada Theater, thoughts about tonight and what was found? Uh, I really don't know what was found. I mean, right. I've obviously seen some, some orbs and some bouncing. I mean, uh, noises. Noises. Uh, Paula was able to make, you know, contact up in the, uh, I guess that would be the projector room that we were uh, yeah. Yeah, up and then also the balcony with the little girl. But we still have a lot to finish up with that because we've had somebody say there's things they want to clean up was the words they yeah. used and then I don't know if they kind of faded away from energy or what but that kind of backed off a little bit mm-hmm. but I'm sure we'll get more on that I and mean, looking over our records and right things. I have hours of stuff to look yeah. over <laughs> but we've all heard noises like we heard some a child laughing and then some whistling and then just a while ago when we were closing everything up there was a huge bang in yeah. the back back behind the the Stage yeah, I kept here. hearing with that bubble sound until I found out it was my sister's phone. And I guess we'll wrap up with everybody's thoughts on this. I got an email um, this week by a guy named Trent, and um, actually really close to where we live. He says, I was on the 215 freeway going north, this is my third time seeing this weird flying lights on the road around this location between 10.45 and 11.45. He says he can't remember exactly what time it was, but he knew that he was on the road about that time. And he said he had three people in the car. They all saw it. And it was a red light, and then it flashed white. And um, the couple other times that he saw it with the same three people, it was, he had his radio on, the station kind of went fuzzy, and he saw the same exact thing. Um, what are your thoughts about that, guys? Was there any video involved? Was he able I to wish. Camera? Because <laughs> uh, do you know where exactly on the 215? And you got March Air Force Base. Uh, he just said on the, on the 215, um, because I remember Passing we had read like an article or something, it wasn't. I mean, there was, I think, some reports of, of things stuff a couple of right. years ago on, yeah. on, uh, on that happening. 
I think it'd be interesting to to take a look at. I wouldn't mind, you know, doing an investigation or maybe even putting some cameras right. out or seeing if we could uh, check it. But without video, I mean, you know how hard it is when it's just. Uh, well, and I do know if you guys just YouTube, you know, like UFOs in the Temecula area, there's always like stuff in the sky and it just seems like we're in the right place for that stuff but I don't know if that has to do with March Air Force Base I've driven by that place and seen planes hovering you know like 100 feet above the ground and not being able to hear them so I don't know if they just have you know if that's what he saw something like that or a helicopter that he couldn't hear or something yeah I think those are the questions you got to ask yourself when you're doing that kind of stuff or, or at least looking for right. it does it fit into a, uh, a category that I mean because if you can logically identify it I think that's the way you've got to go first well especially same time every night and then we sometimes hear the jets but I would like him to tell us more details about it of what course. he saw was there any like electrical disturbances within the car yeah he said the radio, radio station yeah. oh is that right yeah it went okay. fuzzy yeah, so I'd like to hear, you know, his description more about what he actually saw. And maybe even just sketch more. what he saw. Yeah, know, that would be, that would be awesome. Red light, is it? Uh -huh. Okay, well, I think uh, we're going to need to be leaving here. Uh, oh, yeah, right it is so, uh, like 2.15. So, yep, thank you guys for listening. And um, we'll come yeah. back soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this podcast of Family First Paranormal Radio. If you like today's music, the artist is White Collar Sideshow. And the song is called This Is a Kill. You can find White Collar Sideshow at their website, www.whitecollarsideshow.com. Until next time, keep it paranormal!